things. Open your Bibles, please, to the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 2. Uh, we're working our way through 2 Timothy. We're in chapter 2. We'll read beginning with verse 1. Uh, this afternoon is the membership class. If you want to join our church, you can do it through the class. Or if you just want to find out more about the class, you're welcome to come. 4 o'clock till 6. Even if you've not signed up, you're welcome to come. We're on the Seven Hills side, if you'll park that way. Room 154, for those of you who know that. But we're on that side if, uh, if you... Um, make it in there. We'll have signage. It'll help you the rest of the way. And uh, then the next Sunday, which is the time change, November 1, the good time change, uh, is great. And then that night we're doing baptism night. And if you are uh, have trusted Christ as Savior and like to follow in believer's baptism, it'll be kind of a special night for us as we baptize together. And uh, you can circle B for baptism on a connection card and let us know that you're interested in that. We'll contact you. Well, open your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 2. I'm going to read beginning with verse 1. The Bible says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in the concerns of civilian life. He seeks to please the commanding officer. Also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer ought to be the first to get a share of the crops. Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Well, I'd like you to note some principles with me about what I'm calling grace strong and, and the basic principle I'd like you to get. And if you have notes, if, if you're taking notes at home or here, would you write this principle down? God's grace is the source of our strength. God's grace is the source of our strength. It's not our talents. It's not our abilities. It's not our grit and, de and determination. It is, it's not that we don't have problems in this world. Our strength is found in the Lord. That's why I'm calling this message Grace Strong. If you know a little of the stories of the Old Testament, maybe you know the story of Samson. And I have a theory about Samson that I can't prove because I've never seen Samson. But several times when people talk about or to Samson, they say, what is the source of your strength? So I have this theory that Samson was not a great big muscled guy, you know, that looked like the Hulk or Thor or something like that, that he was instead a normal, maybe, maybe a normal sized guy. If he was a big giant muscle guy, they would have said the source of your strength is your muscles. But they didn't know what it was. And so perhaps he was just a normal looking guy and, and they said there's something unusual about this. And they saw that his strength came from the Lord. When people look at you, how you deal with adversity, how you deal with struggles, how you, how you have a focus in life. If they see in you strength, it is not because you have some supernatural ability on your own, but God's grace in you. Notice what the Bible says here in verse 1. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He didn't say be strong in your own power. Timothy, just work hard. You be a go-getter. And in your own strength, you can do this. He doesn't say that. He says, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now, grace is talking about God's love for us that we can't deserve. When we took communion, we were reminded of the grace of God. It's not our goodness that saves us, but it is God's goodness for us. It's not that we loved him. He loved us before we ever loved him. And grace is about God's love for us that he gives to us, though we don't deserve it. In fact, can't deserve it. But he gives it freely and fully, and so God loves us, and he puts a period there. That's God's grace. And that is the source of our strength. That's what it is. That's what it's 
what I'm talking about when I say a grace strong life. And so I want to talk with you about three principles about a grace strong life, the kind of life that God wants you to have, the strength that he wants you to have, that spiritual strength that he offers to you. Let's note three principles together. Would you just write these down on your notes here or at home? Write these notes down. Would you, would you note, first of all, a grace strong life shares the truth. One part of a life that's grace strong is a life that shares the truth. In verse 2, it's a great verse. The Bible says, what you have heard from me, Paul speaking to Timothy, what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So he's telling us three things. First, he's telling us to learn the truth. Paul say, says, Timothy, what you heard from me, I was, I was teaching you the truth and you were learning the truth. Timothy was a learner. In fact, we ought to be lifelong learners. We will never learn everything there is to know about the Lord and about his purpose and plan for the rest of our lives, we need to be learning and growing and understanding more and strengthening. So how does that happen? What if you really wanted to grow in faith? May I say, sadly, there are many people who name the name of Christ who don't seem to really care much about growing spiritually and who never really, it seems, learns that much about, they don't learn that much about the things of God and never really put down any deep roots. But if you wanted to, how would you do that? Let, let me suggest some things. If you said, Pastor Doug, I've just decided I really would like to be a lifelong learner. I'd like to learn God's truth. I'd like to know what God has to say. I'd like to know his word well. Here's the kinds of things you might do. If, that was, if you were serious about that, you might do things like this. You might attend worship service. Or if you're watching online, you might just, I mean, really focus instead of just, you know, kind of halfway listening. You might open your Bibles. When I say open your Bibles, please, you might follow along in the text just to make sure that's really from God's word. You might get involved in a small group Bible study like our life groups where you get connected with other people, but you study the Bible and you begin to learn things. You might get brave enough to ask a question about something you don't know. You might really pay attention well and really focus well on what God's trying to teach. You might go another step. You might decide, I'm going to, you know what, I'm going to read the Bible for myself and take some personal ownership in my spiritual growth and not just say that's what someone else is supposed to do for me. I'm going to read the Bible for myself, and I'm going to start doing what that what Pastor Doug keeps talking about, these devotional times and stuff and how we need to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to get up in the morning. I'm going to read uh, some chapters in God's Word. I'm going to spend some time in prayer, really focus my day on what God wants me to know and begin to learn His Word. I might decide to read the New Testament for myself. In fact, if I read just two chapters a day, five days a week, I could read the New Testament twice in a calendar year, just reading two chapters a day, five days a week. And after, over time, I'd start to get to know it better. Maybe I'd underline some things as we moved along. I see something that says, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And I just underline that because that's something that I need to remember. And, and I read it again when I underline it and I focus a little bit. Maybe I'd memorize a scripture or two along the way. I'd, be, I'd begin to learn the truth. God wants that for you. Secondly, we teach the truth. We learn the truth and we teach the truth. Paul says to Timothy, what you heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men. You teach others. Don't just learn for yourself. But you teach others. Some of you teach a life group, and God bless you if you're teaching preschoolers or children or teenagers or adults. But, but all of us have a responsibility to teach. If you're a parent, do you know parents who the primary responsibility rests with 
in teaching your children about the things of God? Let me ask, here's a quiz. Let's make it a multiple choice. Is, does it rest primarily with the church or does it rest primarily with you? Well, we want to do all we can to help you, of course. We're going to supplement, encourage, urge you. But the primary responsibility, you know, I'm not your children's parent unless you're Vicky. I mean, I'm not your, your, I'm not the parent, but you are. And you have this responsibility, and I want you to teach your children about the things of God, help them to learn the things of God. You know, there are many people that are in your school or that you work with. God placed you there in your family, in your neighborhood. God placed you there so that you would teach them who God is, what God's about. Did you know you can share the good news of the gospel with others and God will use you to teach the truth? There's the third thing. I said learn the truth, teach the truth, and we multiply the teaching of the truth. We multiply the teaching of the truth. I love verse 2 because it really gives us four generations. Paul says, what you have heard from me, so that's Paul and Timothy in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men, there's the third generation, who will be able to teach others also, there's four. So the gospel is not just for me and me and Timothy, but for me and Timothy to teach others, and I'm going to teach others to teach others. So that the message of the gospel is multiplied, not just, not just addition, but multiplied. You know, much of the Western church has sort of just done addition. So they say uh, the teaching of the Bible, the sharing of the gospel, the witnessing, that's for the, that's what we pay the pastor for that. That's what he's supposed to do. And they add so, you know, he can do some things. But the Bible says, the role, my role, the role of the pastor, is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And the saints is talking about believers. So, the job of teaching the truth, that's for all of us who name the name of Christ. All of us who name Jesus Christ as Savior. All of us, we're the witnesses. We're the ones who teach the truth. We're the ones who care and pour into it. And we all do that together. And that is how we multiply the truth. And generations are blessed by that. Generations are blessed by that. Now, there's a second principle I'd like you to note about a grace-strong life. And that is, a grace-strong life lives the truth. Lives the truth. We don't just learn the truth, but we also live the truth. Now, we need to learn it in order to live it. But we don't learn it in order to have it. We learn it in order to live it. God wants us to apply the truth. And God uses three analogy in his word here, three analogies that teach us about living the truth. And so let's note these three analogies. The first is the soldier. Verses three and four tell us about the soldier. We live near Scott Air Force Base, and so we have a lot of soldiers in our church. The Bible says, share in suffering. Timothy, uh, Paul has suffered for the gospel. Timothy's going to join him in that share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Now, I've never been a soldier in our government, but I have been a, I'm a soldier of Christ Jesus. When I was a little boy, we used to sing this song about being in the Lord's army, and you would salute. Man, I was super good at that. I mean, it was, I was really amazingly gifted at that. And I was reminded through that simple little song that I was supposed to be in God's army, that there was a spiritual battle going on, and that I, as a believer, was to be a soldier. So share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ, of Christ Jesus, verse 4. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in the concerns of civilian life. He seeks to please the commanding officer. So let's, let's understand this analogy a little bit more. The word I want to use here is the word service. Or we might say this if you're writing 
if you're writing things down. A grace-strong life is a life of service. A grace-strong life is a life of service. So the soldier is serving, even willing to suffer, not entangled in the concerns of civilian life, pleasing the commanding officer. The Lord is our commanding officer. Yesterday, we were handing out packets of uh, taking, since we were taking the Lord's Supper, there are people who are unable to be here physically, and so we gave them packets so they could take the Lord's Supper at home while those of us who are here in person took it. And so it's a little bit of a connection point for us. And I, you know, at a distance, I got to wave at folks who I haven't seen some of them for several months. And uh, one of the deacons who was helping, he was, at, you know, serving the, giving the cups, uh, giving the packets to people. I knew he had been in the military. He's been in our church for a long, long time, retired military now. And so asking some questions, I'd perhaps forgotten some of these things, but he served for 20-some years in the military. He was a pilot in Vietnam, in the Vietnam uh, era. He was a young pilot then. And he, threw, he flew uh, 300-something combat missions, got shot at a lot. You know, I just ask stories. I've not been in the military. I'm always fascinated by those stories, you know, to people shooting at you and stuff. It just seems sort of, I don't know, exciting, I guess, from my vantage point. Dangerous from his vantage point, exciting from mine. And he, you know, he just told about the stories and things. And I, I, I thought about his, his life in analogy to here. He was willing to leave his home, not be entangled in civilian life. He couldn't take, he left his young bride behind, at home and went all the way across this, for a year in Vietnam in a very difficult, trying, dangerous place and serving because the commanding officer had responsibilities for him. And so he was willing to suffer deprivation. Can I just tell you something? We're in a battle. I know a lot of Christians don't understand this. They act like this is peacetime. Peacetime is heaven. We're in a battle right now. This is, this is the battle going on right now in this world. And our commanding officer has some responsibilities for us. And so we're not entangled in the world because we're trying to please our commanding officer. Not, we're not trying to please the world. We're trying to please the Lord, the commanding officer. And so we're, we're willing to suffer some of the deprivation that comes with this, we share in suffering because we want to be good soldiers of Christ Jesus. The gospel, the grace, uh, strong life is a life of service. Secondly, the second analogy is the athlete. And maybe some of you are soldiers, but some of you are athletes, or, or maybe for some of you, you were, you know, the glory days of the past, you were an athlete at one point. And the word here is discipline that this really teaches us. So the Bible says in verse 5, also, if anyone competes as an athlete, now, athletics is about competition ultimately. I mean, you have fun games, you know, a little upward sports. The young kids don't even keep score. They're just trying to learn the game. But at some point, it starts to get more serious. The competition ratchets up, and you win or you lose. And so the Bible is saying here, if anyone competes as an athlete, he is not crowned, he doesn't win the victory, unless he competes according to the rules. There's always discipline involved. A grace-strong life is a life of discipline. A grace-strong life is a life of discipline. So let's imagine you're watching a football game. And your team, whoever that is, you know, you got some, maybe you've got some favorite college team or something. And, and, and your team has the ball. They're like down by their own end zone and a long way from the goal line. And they hand the ball to a running back. And that guy just zigs and zags and breaks some tackles and does the stiff arm and hops over somebody. And, and uh, you know, and he scores and dives into the end zone. And the crowd goes crazy. We'll just imagine that they're 
a crowd, you know, since we're imagining it, there's, you know, fans in the stadium again. And you're watching anything so exciting, like announcers talking about the touchdown and people are super excited. And then he, as he's talking about what a great touchdown run it is, how exciting it was, and he said, uh-oh, there's a flag, there's a flag down. And way back at the line of scrimmage, someone was holding. And so they call the whole play back and they start from where they were and even farther back toward their own goal line and they take the points off the board because there's some rules. There's, a, there's some discipline involved. He's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. And the Bible is reminding us about God's responsibility, the discipline that he gives to us. And no one knows, I don't think, more about discipline than athletes. You just, if you're in sports, you have to, all the discipline that goes with that. So when I was in college, I was super disciplined physically. I was, I was playing football. I was lifting weights and running. But I, I just tell you, I wasn't that disciplined when it came to spiritual matters. I mean, I, I was a believer. And sometimes I read my Bible in the morning. And sometimes I prayed, but I wasn't disciplined. I mean, I was super disciplined physically. I would lift weights. I would do the running. I'd do all these crazy drills. I mean, I was super disciplined physically. And I remember thinking to myself, why am I so disciplined physically? But I'm not that... I'm not very disciplined spiritually, so hit and miss. And I said, why can't I apply the lessons that I've learned from sports in this physical realm to something even more important, the spiritual realm, and to learn some spiritual disciplines in my life? And so let me just suggest this for you. That God in heaven wants you to gain some spiritual disciplines, learning to read the Bible for, your for yourself and spending some time in prayer day by day and maybe... Um, memorizing scripture we talked about a minute ago, where you really get to know it just word for word, everything about that, where you've memorized it. I mean, you've got it down pat and you can remember it an hour later and then a day later and then a week later and then in some cases for a lifetime or, or maybe to fast where you give up a meal because you want to use the time you would spend eating just to really seek the Lord in prayer about some specific need or some issue or some problem or some event. And I mean, these spiritual disciplines matter to us, and it's a part of being grace strong. The athlete teaches us. And then there's the third analogy of the farmer. Both sets of my grandparents were farmers. My parents both grew up on farms, and the Bible says in verse 6, the, the hardworking farmer, boy, it is, it's hard work. We have made it look really, uh, you know, glamorized in some ways, I suppose, but it's a lot of hard work involved. The hardworking far farmer ought to be the first to get a share of the crops, this is talking to us about the purpose. A grace strong life is a life of purpose. A grace strong life is a life of purpose. He's headed to the harvest. He does all the work. The hardworking farmer is doing all of this for a purpose. There's a harvest one day. My parents were, um, we had gardens growing up with four boys and they had you know, free labor. And so they put us to work and we would help with gardens. Especially one during my teenage, some of my teenage years, we lived in central Illinois and up in the black dirt, you know, just the greatest soil in the world. And, and uh, some farmer gave us an edge of his field, a pretty big edge of his field. And we had a, just a huge garden. My parents didn't believe in wasting anything. And, you know, they planted a huge, I mean, I say they, they had us plant a huge garden and all the work that came with it. And I was a teenage boy and I didn't much care about any of that. I didn't care about planting it. I didn't care about working it. I didn't care about the weeds. You know, when it's really fertile soil, it doesn't just grow, you know, potatoes and tomatoes and carrots and stuff. It also grows weeds well. 
and we would go out there in the hot sun and just pull weeds. I, I didn't like it, but, you know, I'm from the generation where your parents could make you do things because you'll just have to ask your grandparents about that. I mean, the things are just different now. And so I had to, I, I tell you, there's one part of it I loved. I loved when I got to eat the food. You get a tomato that wasn't, it's not a hothouse tomato. You know, in the wintertime, tomatoes aren't the same to me as when it's been grown fresh in a garden. And I love that. And that was the purpose. All the work was headed toward a purpose. Well, a great strong life is a life of purpose. God did not put us here by accident. Our ministry is not a mistake. The gifts that God's giving to you, the opportunities that he provides for you, that's not a mistake. God has a purpose for your life. And don't miss that, Christian. Don't miss that God wants to do his work in you, with you, and through you to accomplish his purposes. And the, the grace strong life is a life that is living the truth, not just, not just knowing about it, but living it. Now, there's a third principle I'd like you to know. We just, if you're taking notes, would you write this principle down? A grace strong life knows the truth. I've said it shares the truth and lives the truth, and now it knows the truth. And when I say knows the truth, I didn't just, I'm not talking about just knowing about the truth, but I'm saying knows the truth. Here's what I mean, verse 7. Consider what I say, Paul says to Timothy. I want you to really think about this, he's saying. Really let this soak in and marinate in your heart. Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. The Lord himself is the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's saying that he is the truth. That, he, that in his person is the truth. That we can know not just about the truth, but to know the truth personally. That's what a grace strong life is about. It knows that truth. It knows that person of truth. The Lord is the one who gives us understanding and everything. So I want to ask you to apply this in two ways. I want to ask you first, number one, if you if you note taker, write this down. Trust Christ as your Savior. Trust Christ as your Savior. I, l- listen, I, I am delighted that you're here in a church service. That's a great thing. Or that you're watching a church service online. But can I tell you what God wants for you is more than that you attend a church service or watch a church service online. He wants you. And he wants you to know him as Savior. One time a guy named Nicodemus came to Jesus in the middle of the night and said, started asking some questions. Jesus said to him, you must be born again. The Bible is saying, Jesus is saying to us, it's not enough for us to reform. I think that's how a lot of people view Christianity. We're just going to try harder, try to be a better person. The, The problem is we're already lost in our sin. Our sin is that serious. It's that damaging that it, it has separated us from God who is holy. And we need to be saved. And it's so transactional that Jesus said you need to be born again. It's a new birth in your life. And the way that happens is for you to repent of your sins, to turn from it, to acknowledge your sin. If you, if you think you're okay, you don't need God. Listen, you, you will, not only will you never be saved, you could not be further from the truth. You cannot save yourself. You need God desperately, whether you see that or not repent of your sins. And then the Bible tells us to to place our faith in Jesus, to believe, to believe in him, to believe Jesus died for us on that cross, that he gave his life for us, that he rose from the grave for us. 
that he is who he says he is, and then to receive him as Savior. We ask him to save us, and he will. In a few minutes, we're going to pray together. And when we do, I'm going to ask you to give your life to Christ if you haven't, whether you're watching online or here in person. And there are some of you here who've done lots. You've been, by, maybe by the world's standards, pretty good. Maybe, maybe you've been religious, but you need to be saved. And I'm going to ask you to give your life to Christ today. There's a second thing I want to ask you to do as I talk about knowing the truth, and that is to follow Christ as your Lord. Follow Christ as your Lord. So some people have given their life to Christ. Maybe some of you are like this. You trusted Christ to save you, but you've not been following the Lord. You've not been following His way. You've kind of gone the way of the world or the way that's easy or the way that's smooth for you or the way that you feel like or the way that most other people are going. And God cares about you so much. He loves you so much. He's perhaps never stopped kind of pricking the conscience of your heart and reminding you He's got something better for you. And that you'll never be satisfied with your own way or the world's way. You're never going to be satisfied with it. But he wants what's best for you. And he wants you to follow him as Lord. And that means we're saying, God, I, not only do I know you as my Savior, but I, I know you as my Lord. So that I trust you enough to say, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what you tell me to do, not what the world tells me to do. And I'm going to go where you tell me to go and not where the world tells me to go. And I'm going to live like you want me to live and not like the world wants me to live. God, I'm following you. I want to follow you as my Lord. And can I just tell you, that's the right, best, good way. When you're, when you're one day at the end of your life, if, you're, if the Lord provides you a moment of introspection, you will not regret having followed the Lord's way. You're not going to regret. You're not going to say, you know, boy, I wish I hadn't wasted my time. That is, the, that is the key to the peace and purpose and joy. I'm not saying it's the easy way, but man, it's the right, best, good way. I want you to follow the Lord. Follow Christ as your Lord. So let's bow together for a word of prayer now. I want this grace, strong life for you. This is a hard world, a broken world, a fallen world, but I want the grace, strong life for you. In response to the Lord who loves you so much that he would go to the cross on your behalf, would you respond to him by loving him? Maybe you've never trusted Christ as Savior. You're not sure you've ever given your life to him. Maybe you've been religious. Maybe you've been baptized. Maybe you've... You've never given your life to Christ. I want to ask you today to be saved, to give your life to Christ. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Now, there's a hesitation in my heart because you can say words you don't mean and you won't, certainly won't be saved. But if today you want to give your life to Christ, you could pray a prayer like this. It's got to come from your heart, but like this. Lord, I know I've sinned against you. Just acknowledge that to him. That my, that my sin is my fault, not anyone else's fault. That my sin is against you. But here and now, I want to turn from my sin. Just tell him that. Place your faith in Christ. Lord, I believe you died on that cross in my place. You lived the perfect life for me. You were the perfect sacrifice on the cross. You rose from the dead, and you can save me. Just tell him that. Place your faith in him and receive him as Savior. Ask him to save you. Lord, will you save me now? I give, as best I know how, I give my life to you, and I ask you to save me. And if you mean that, he'll save you. Now, Christians, those of you who are here or watching online who have trusted Christ as Savior, I'm going to ask you to follow him as your Lord. Would you say, God, I don't want to waste my life in this world. I'm so thankful that I can know you as Savior and that you adopt me into your family by that. But Lord, I want to live my life for you. And I want to live the life that you made me to live, the life that you saved me to live. Help me to follow you now, Lord. Help me to follow you now. And the Lord will bless that prayer. Father, thank you for your word and the power and truth it teaches us, for the hope it gives us, and we give you praise and glory. Thank you for people who pray to receive your Savior. Would you draw them to yourself? 
grow them in faith, help them to see how big this is for for Christians today who are re- recommitting themselves to you and taking a step forward in their faith, would you help us, Lord, to follow you as our Lord? And uh, Lord, we, th- we pray you'll help us to live a grace-strong life, not in our strength, not by our determination, and grit, by, but by trusting your deep love to know that you love us no matter what. So every circumstance in life that you lead us to, we can face by your strength. You love us no matter what. So because of that, we can learn to love others and to love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.